Well, yeah, I think all of us have been waiting for this moment all our lives. How do we begin today? It's a Thursday, and usually things happen on Thursdays, I guess, right? But most of the time, things that happen on a Thursday, we don't hear about for a while. I wanted to kind of put something out there. You know, a, a lot of um, vitriol is being spilled on, you know, social media. And vitriol to many, you know, not just some people, many people. And, you know, haters. Those are the persistent shadows lurking in the depths of envy and insecurity. It's kind of fascinating how they slither and slide, desperately attempting to mimic the very essence they can never truly possess. For you see, greatness can't be replicated by evil. It can only be marveled at from afar. We're seeing that in action on many levels, uh, especially within the GOP with the whole DeSantis thingamajig that's supposed to be a run. <laughs> Haters with their stalking eyes and venomous tongues reveal their true nature. Their mockery and mimicry are but feeble attempts to fill the void within themselves. A void that can never be satisfied through imitation. They thrive on negativity fueled by their own limitations and inadequacies. We see this everywhere. Evil in its essence, lacks the spark of creation. I said that before. And it loathes good. You're a mere distortion and twisted reflection that seeks to tarnish the brilliance it can never truly comprehend. For while evil mimics, it cannot manifest the authenticity, the genuine magic that lies with the true creators, the ones who walk their path unapologetically. So my friends, let the haters stalk, mock, and mimic to their heart's content. Their actions only serve as a testament to the power and uniqueness that resides within you, within our nation, within our movements. Rise above their pettiness for their antics are mere echoes in the vastness of your greatness. I will say this again, evil cannot create, it can only distort. Stay true to your authentic self because your light shines so bright and too bright for their feeble attempts to dim it. Embrace the path of creation, of originality, and let the haters wither away in their futile attempts to be something they can never be. You. You know, I'm seeing a level of panic that I have never seen before. And it's actually coming from the right. The left has sat there on their hands, pretty much unable to respond correctly to the things that are coming forward. I mean, we just had David Spade troll Fauci about the, uh, about the boosters. The right. Ah, you know. And let's, let, let me make it more personal so you understand. You know, 
If you guys all remember Roger Stone's protege, and for some reason he just finds black males as proteges because he's a dinosaur in his political thinking that we need a black person to be conservative and he needs to groom them. And if you remember, he took a child groomer, Ali Akbar, and elevated him. Now he's claimed that Dom Lucre is his new marionette of a black conservative that he is his protege. Mm. And yet all those call me deep state. Ah, the infamous deep state, the shadowy realm of bureaucracy and conspiracy. Funny how life works. Because let me tell you a little secret. The one who has walked through the corridors of this so-called deep state is the very person you want by your side. A weapon of unparalleled insight and understanding. You see, redemption, it's one of the most powerful forces. It can take someone who has witnessed the inner workings of a very corrupt global system, who has swum in the murky waters of power and emerged with newfound clarity. It is through trials and tribulation, through the fires of adversity, that souls are forged into instruments of change. The journey of redemption is not an easy one. I know many of you, as I am extremely transparent, have seen just how uncomfortable it is. It requires confronting the shadows of one's own past, acknowledging the mistakes made and striving to make amends. But in that process, we all find transformation. We shed the layers of cynicism and self-interest and embrace that higher purpose Something that is the undertone of our very foundations of this nation. A purpose rooted in service to the people. Those, like myself, who have seen the inner workings of power, the mechanisms of control, understand the importance of transparency and accountability. They have experienced firsthand the temptations and pitfalls that come with authority. They've walked the tightrope between loyalty and the greater good. And so when redemption takes hold, people like that become beacons of hope. They bring an insider's perspective, a deep understanding of the intricacies at play. They are equipped to dismantle the very structures they once served and rebuild them with integrity and true service to the core. Trials and tribulations are not meant to break us. They are meant to refine us. They purify your intentions, sharpen your focus, and prepare you for the battles ahead. The fires we walk through forge us into beings capable of creating a lasting change. So to all of you out there, my wish to you is to embrace redemption as your guiding light. Know that the journey you walked, regardless of its origin, has shaped you into an instrument of transformation in any facet of your life. And with every step forward, you should let your actions speak of your commitment to the people and your unwavering dedication to those that surround you in regards to their well-being. Because in the end, it's not the darkness of our past that defines us, but the light we choose to shine upon the world. As I've always said, 
where all your mistakes and horrific actions and choices that were bad that you've made as badges. Be armed with the lessons you have learned and let redemption be the key that unlocks the true selfless servant to those around you that is within you. I believe it is extremely important for us to understand that because chaos, my friends, is the birthplace of true productivity and the cradle from which order emerges. It may seem counterintuitive, but chaos is never the enemy. It's the catalyst, the spark that ignites the flames of innovation, creativity, and good change. In the midst of chaos, the old rules crumble, the familiar structures dissolve, and the ground beneath us quakes. It is in these moments of today, of upheaval, that the human spirit thrives. We rise from the ashes, unshackled from the chains of conformity, and unleash our untamed potential. It is within chaos that there are no boundaries or limitations. It is a wild frontier where ideas clash and collide, giving birth to the extraordinary. From the swirling chaos, new connections form. Unexplored pathways reveal themselves and bold visions take shape. It's through chaos that we confront our fears and push beyond our comfort zones. We embrace uncertainty and navigate uncharted waters with relentless determination. In the face of chaos, we discover our true capabilities and tap into the reservoirs of strength we never even knew existed. I know. Been there, done that. Got the t-shirt. Platinum member. Chaos is not the absence of order. It is the genesis of a new and more robust order. It is a crucible in which ideas are forged, perspectives are shattered, and paradigms are shattered. It is the breeding ground of progress where the seeds of change are sown and revolutions are born. So for all of you feeling this confusion, this chaos, embrace it. Like I say, I eat chaos for lunch. Harness the raw energy. Transform it into productive order. Let chaos be like your, your, your painting canvas where you paint your masterpiece. And like Jesse J says, you know, sometimes you color outside the lines. It's a swirling vortex of inspiration, resilience, and the audacity to redefine what is possible. And remember, it's from chaos comes creation, and from creation comes greatness. So the chaos in America is creating, I shall say, recreating the America that was envisioned by our forefathers. And therefore, the creation makes America great again. So dare you dance naked in the rain of chaos <laughs> or within its chaotic embrace lies the genesis of a world transformed. And so that is exactly what we need to do. And today what we're going to do, aside from me briefing you on what you should know about without delving into it, we're going to start at the beginning. 
as I've been saying, life is like a whirlwind of chaos, a tangled web of complex problems and challenges. Our political scene, oh my gosh, it feels almost never ending. But here's the secret. The beginning of any intricate puzzle is where true power lies. It's where clarity, discernment, and transparency flourish among us and during the storm. When chaos reigns, it's tempting to throw your hands up in despair, to be overwhelmed by the enormity of the task and the information that's being thrown at you with a fire hose. But that's not how we roll. We embrace the chaos. We dive headfirst into the heart of the storm, unafraid and undeterred. I mean, what do you got to lose? Starting at the beginning is not for the faint of heart. It takes courage, determination, and an unyielding spirit to look at the past and say, shit, how'd I miss that? Shit, wait a minute. Everything is not what it seems. It means that you have to step away from the noise and distractions, shutting out the doubters, the naysayers, the distractors, the focus on this, I'm the best, trust this, do that. Mm. Cutting through the fog of confusion with an unwavering gaze. Uh, there is a pristine moment of initiation that you possess an unrivaled advantage. When you are starting at the beginning, you see things others overlook, uncovering hidden truths, untapped potential, right? You become a beacon of clarity, cutting through all the noise. As you delve deeper, armed with perseverance and resilience, you gain discernment, almost like a sixth sense, but you're not seeing dead people. You're seeing dead information that was never utilized. And, and one may say, okay, this person, that influencer, this political commentator, this supposed really smart person missed it. Are you saying that all the smart people, all the influencers, all the people on your side missed it? What are the odds of that? This is how you see who, what, when, where is really on your side. You can discern the underlying patterns, the interconnected threads that hold chaos together. And with every step forward, you will unravel its complexity seeing things from a 40,000 foot view. But here's the best part. Starting at the beginning gives you the power of transparency. You see, chaos thrives in darkness, in the shadows of uncertainty. I know the chaos I've created was always in the shadows, always in the darkness. I was the one with no name and face. And I struggle every single day to determine where my identity lies because of that. But when you actually have the courage to confront the challenge head on, to strip away the layers of complexity, you shed light on truth. Transparency brings accountability, enabling us to hold ourselves and others to a higher standard. It allows you to forge authentic connections like the ones that you have built with people in your state groups. See, there was a lot of toxicity, a lot of people trying to be leaders. You know, I have people that are, I was your admin. I didn't know that because I'm not involved 
That's not my general community is the whole nation, just like it is yours. But my immediate community is in Ohio. So why would I know? You see, why would you know? Unless you interact. Now, speaking of the no, yesterday I kind of sat back and thought to myself how incredible it is when I see pictures and people. I remembered a, a layover flight that I had because it was raining in Dallas. And it was kind of very spur of the moment. And I was like, hey, I'm stuck in Dallas for the night. Anybody around want to meet up and maybe have a snack? And there were a bunch of people together, people that would have never met. People that, you know, communicate, talk to each other, have become friends. Uh, they, they, they go on play dates with their kids. They talk about the issues. And you know, when their kids get married or they get married if they're single, right? Or anything, all of them from around the state will come to them. They are true family in a time of need. And for those of you that have fostered these relationships offline, because that's what's important, you will see those relationships thrive very soon as it will be the most important thing you have. Because yes, blood is important. Your family is important. But during this time of uncertainty and trying to harness power back from these corrupt, selected individuals, you have all bonded in trying to rectify the wrong with whatever knowledge you had, learning together along the way, filing lawsuits, conducting potlucks, making friendships you never imagined. And when I, when I think of that, and yesterday when I actually thought about it, I was kind of crying, not, and not in a bad way, but in a really good way, in a way of pride that that's exactly what our founding fathers wanted, a good, strong community. Because if we have strong community and connections that are transparent, that are based on principles, not, oh, you're my family, I have to, or hey, I love to drink a lot of alcohol and you do, so we're friends, that's toxic. Hey, I'm a drug addict and you do drugs, let's hang out. Hey, I'm a mom, you're a mom, let's hang out. Those are the toxic PTA ones, right? But here you have, hey, we need our roads paved. We need to fix this. Hey, we need to keep drag queens away from kids. Hey, we need to stop doctors convincing our kids that they're boys or girls when that's actually <laughs> their sex is predetermined in the womb, in the darkness of that chaos of the primordial soup that creates the, the human. Transparency brings accountability. And in a world rife with confusion and deception, transparency becomes your shield, protecting you from the perils of the unknown. Strong friendships based in strong values within your community, within your home, within your state, and within your nation are incredible tools, are incredible things. And it's almost like a limb you didn't know you missed. So as we stand at the precipice of chaos, do not shy away from the complexity. Embrace it. Start at the beginning and let that journey unfold. With clarity as your guide, 
discernment as your compass and transparency as your armor, you are bound for nothing else but greatness. And remember, a true measure of a warrior doesn't lie in their avoidance of chaos, but in their ability to eat it for lunch. And you, the people, are destined to conquer that. So, first step is to light the fire within. Second step is to let the world bear witness of the strength in your resolve. So with that, how's we start at the beginning? How's we start at the beginning? That's what we're gonna do today. But before we do that, I wanted to bring to your attention something that just didn't really make sense to me. So there was a show two years ago that was like going to be played on um, HBO. It was called The Nevers. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Now this show was discontinued halfway through the 12 episode season because Josh Wendon, you know, the guy that did Buffy, that did Justice League and everything was called, you know, a male toxic blah, 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 that he wasn't really into the whole feminism thing. He did Buffy, he did um, Dollhouse, you know, he's a really great um, producer. And, you know, even Gal Gadot, you know, the Israeli actress, she Gadot was like, oh, yeah, like he wanted me to record lines that I didn't like. And it's like, bitch, you get paid to do the lines that he tells you. But she didn't like it because it wasn't feminist enough. So they canceled him. Right. They canceled him. Not because he's a pedo. Right. Guardians of the Galaxy pedo. <laughs> Their movies are being thumped. But because... They didn't like the fact that he liked to say man, woman, done. Men shouldn't be betas. Women shouldn't act like they have a big penis, period. Done. They canceled him. So I thought maybe we can watch the trailer because it looks kind of fascinating. I mean, the storyline does. Almost like he was giving some severe insight. Oh, and by the way, the reason I'm bringing this up is because everyone was pissed off that even though they cut it halfway through the first season and pulled it off air and smeared him, it still was nominated for an Emmy. And they were pissed. Now, you can only buy the first season, but here we go. Three years ago, everyone at the Touched woke up with a power. Touched are rewriting the rules of reality. I want them under control. Even if it requires a bloodletting. I will cut your face to a mess. You know, the touched. Yes, they have weird deformities and afflictions. They're unhappy. Well, whatever they are. I think they're a gold mine. You know what a better world could be like. Is that the mission you were going on about? Yes. I do have a mission. And I'm not cut out for it. But it matters. There's a 
harmony to our world that's worth preserving. The touched are not a threat, yet you seem determined to prove that they are. The church, the purists, they're a danger to us. We have enemies we don't know about yet. cannot be hate will be lined up in the streets. I want the wicked punished and the good protected. You often engage in public violence. I know where I am in a fight because I see glimpses of the future. Something happened. It's not fun watching you throw yourself at danger like you think it's going to propose. Could be fun. Savagery. Chaos. Attached to the protection and I need information about why we're here and what we're meant to do next. We're taking a terrible risk. The future of the world depends on what I'm doing. The future of the world depends on the present. Attached are part of something much bigger. The future of the world depends on the present, not the past, not who you were, not who you wanted to be, not where you stood a second ago, but on the now. And why the past, present, and the future happen simultaneously. And you know, there was a weird report that I saw where um, Kamala Harris was talking about AI, where she said, oh, it's just two letters. She sounded so dumb, super dumb, right? Super, super dumb. And um, she said, they're just two letters and, you know, that's what it is. And it's, um, you know, a computer that you give it information and then it can tell you like what's going to happen. You mean she's describing predictive analytics, you know, the time traveling I do. The, how you can get glimpses of the future based on the past and the now. Now, what's in the news? A lot, a, a lot. There is a doctor's group, right? Because doctors are struggling to comply with new state laws criminalizing certain kinds of medical care. Now they're talking about abortions, but you know what's interesting? Where were they when they were conducting criminal acts of pumping people? with all of these vaccines. Where were they? Where were they? Now they're creating a group that doctors can stand up against, you know, unethical behaviors. Get out of here. Get out of here. Now, I thought maybe I can share a couple of these shorts and just so you understand where I stand in regards to this. Let me see if I can pull it up. Let me um, pause this and how do I, let me see, why isn't it not, where's the, there it is. I have to start that over. This is David Spade. Let me see. If I asked a girl.
I miss COVID. I know. Dude, you know what I knew? There was trouble <laughs> when anyone that came to our country didn't have to get a vaccine. And I go, mm -hmm. if you're telling me I can't go to work, but everyone, everyone coming in doesn't have to get one, I go, well, once we found out when Fauci said, okay, I'm sorry, but if you've had two boosters and two vaccines, you can get and give COVID to another guy who's had five vaccines and four boosters. Mm -hmm. What's the difference between a vaccine and a booster? I don't know, it's just more vaccine, but booster sounds better. Anyway, a guy with 25 vaccines would get and give COVID to another guy with 25 <laughs> vaccines. That's why I'm introducing the daily COVID shot. Every day you get a shot. By the time you get to your car, you got no immunity. But it's a beautiful 39 seconds. <laughs> I miss it. I asked a girl. He asked He jumped the shark about halfway through when he was on the cover of InStyle at a pool like this. What if he tried that with the wife? What should we order? Don't disagree. We're ordering lobster. When it comes to lobster, I'm science. Everyone loves me. Honey, could you stop lowering your sunglasses like that? Are they falling off? Or are you doing it on purpose? Or? <laughs> He's standing behind a podium like this somewhere right now going, is it over? Yeah. Is anyone out there? Grouchy Fauci. He sounds like the trainer from Rocky. This time the shot's going to hurt your appointment in Rocky. <laughs> exactly. <It's an> appointment <laughs> in that time. I want you to crop thunder. <laughs> they got a new booster. <laughs> well, what are we waiting for? He jumped. I miss COVID. You you I miss COVID. You told a great story when Lauren was on yeah. about Chris Farley had been dating a girl and then they broke up. Oh, right. Remember right, that, yeah. that one? Farley, uh, when we were all there, he was dating one of the girls that worked there, and she's very sweet. And then they broke up, and he comes back, and she has a new boyfriend, and we know it. And he comes back from break from Wisconsin. He's like, so I hear uh, Aaron's got a new fella. Uh, Courtner. Huh? Well, let me tell you something. He may be uh, better looking, but he's not richer. He's not funnier and he's not more famous. We're like, oh, it's Steve Martin. <laughs> wow, it's a lot of fun now to mock it. But do you remember when you couldn't work? Do you remember when you weren't allowed to sit at restaurants? Like I'm, after I get over the hump of um, paying for these lawsuits and well, I have. So once I start save up, I'm actually going to get myself a digital billboard truck and I'm going to park it outside of a restaurant right down the road for me. That restaurant is somewhere where I used to go because I really loved eating one specific dish, just an appetizer. I would go there. It was my favorite. Now, keep in mind that the owners of this restaurant came as refugees from a communist nation that was forcing them to do things they didn't want. They're Albanians, but they were one of the refugee Albanians from back in the day. So they come to America that is a free nation. And so one day I walk in and they demand my COVID card. I said, I, I will not present it. I'm here to eat. You can't come into the establishment. Now, I will pay for a billboard that will show quotes from everyone mocking it. I will also show how the owners have, you know, come from a communist nation but they're bringing their communist ideology here. I will park it right outside their restaurant on a Saturday evening, and it will be right there. I have already asked the police, noise pollution, where I can play scripts of, you know, David Spade and others, so people can hear it. 
It is important to remind people of the animals they became. It is important to remind people the communism. See, Eisenhower walked through places to remind people of shit that happened during World War II, which was the planning of World War III. And you will see that with my reporting coming very soon. And today, I'm going to give you an insight of that. I'm going to make the statements and then I'm going to fucking publish the receipts. See, it's really important that we hold up a mirror and remind people where they were last year this time, where they were two years ago at this time. How many of you were denied to go to the supermarket? I still remember the stupid Costco employee where it was empty and I was checking out by myself six feet distance. And the Karen, and I kept calling him Karen, was telling me that I needed to wear a mask to check out even though I picked up the broom and I said, six feet, stay away. <laughs> I can't wear it. These are the things we should do. We should be reminding of the people that were beating people up at Bed Bath & Beyond, which by the way, went bankrupt, um, you know, for not wearing a mask. I will remind the people of Cleveland how disgusting it was. And then I will put all the videos with audio mocking the fact that they got boosters that were unnecessary. I will be putting the Moderna thing, just a little bit of HIV, so people can see it and they can't go away. I'm putting, you remember where the shootout was in Cleveland? For any of you that heard about the shootout right down the road from me, it's one of the busiest strips, restaurants, bars, nightclubs. That's where I'm gonna park my big, fat, mobile, digital truck, glaring everything right across the street from the restaurant, which is, by the way, full of glass. So all the diners will be watching that. And I will put the owner's faces and show the communist nation they came from and how they brought communism with them and how they believe that communism is the way to go. We need to remind them. We need to remind the school boards. Now that schools are starting, you need to go down to your school boards. We didn't forget. It's just we've been patient fuckers. So that way, all of that is out. And then you get smacked with a little bit of truth and humbled. That's it. And it's not to target these commies. These people that come from other countries because they were oppressed and then come here and comply with the oppression. It's to remind them just how hateful they were and how it didn't matter and how they were just tools. That's key, because then it never happens again. Now today, I came across a live stream that was being done by CNN News 18, which was weird. It was about Fauci, the select subcommittee on coronavirus pandemic hearing. I just wanna play that, even though that's not the main topic of discussion. I think the first hour, we can bounce through actual news. Before I play it, I wanted to bring to your attention how Cassidy Hutchinson, you know, the one that was like, he threw ketchup and made that shit up. Oh, she's writing a memoir and Axios is thumping it, of course. Uh, you know, the GOP is, you know, <laughs> losing its mind. Uh, you know, Biden is framing his clean energy plan as a jobs plan, <laughs> obscuring his record on climate. You know, the left is a little bit upset with him. But you know what the interesting part is? Schiff and Jamie Raskin. Schiff and Jamie Raskin were the public faces of Donald Trump's two impeachments. Raskin agonized over his decision to pass on the Senate bid and instead kept the lead role on the House Oversight Committee. Schiff 
also did the same. It really depends on where you are in the course of service in the house, whether it's a greater leadership opportunity in the Senate or in the house. That's what Schiff said. Talking about him and Raskin having conversations. We need to take a look at those hearings of impeachment with receipts. See, you know, I wrote about it. I talked about it. And you know what's funny? Every single freaking clown that was there knew that it was all a sham. Here's the title of my article. The Real Russian Collusion. State Department, Burisma, and USAID of the State Department, along with, get this, the Atlantic Council. Wait till you hear it, because you know what? I want to know what the fuck was in those crates, Hunter Biden, that were being shipped, Hunter Biden. Oh, what crates? Huh. You'll just have to wait for that. What are the crates, and why were they being held up by customs? Good question. Because all I thought was that he was selling clout and daddy's, you know, name and Obama's shift and making money. All of them that testified in the impeachment knew nothing of this. They were like, oh, Trump asked Zelensky. Mm. But see, here's the thing. When you have email chains of every motherfucker that testified, including Ivanovich, including Kent, when you have an email chain that says they fucking knew what Hunter Biden and Joe Biden were fucking doing in Ukraine, then you're like, holy shit, this is all a show. And then you have to ask yourself, where was Jim Jordan with all that information? You had the email chains, bitch. Why did you allow it to happen? Because it's a show. But regardless, it would have been great. See, it's all a show. I say it. No, oh, then why are you frustrated? Because, see, not everybody does know it's a show. <laughs> they are just going through the motions. Ooh, ooh. You have to lose everything to see who's really loyal to everything. So when I drop those receipts of email chains where they're, oh, we don't know what he's doing, then how the fuck is the State Department briefing Hunter Biden and Burisma? Get the fuck out of here. See, that's a fact. So let's start at the beginning today. But first, we should see what this select subcommittee thing is. It popped up and I kept it open. It stopped streaming live now, but it's a few hours. So I'm going to skip to the good part. Let me see where Fauci is. Well, let's start and see what they're talking about. You had the February 1st conference call that had Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and Dr. Farrar on it, correct? There were several scientists, including those, yes. Was Dr. Tabak also on that call? I believe he was on the call. I'm unsure about that. Did Dr. Fauci reiterate a suggestion to draft a paper on that call? I don't believe that he directly suggested it, but there was support for us looking further into the origin of the pandemic, yes. Well, did the February 1st conference call lead to the drafting of proximal origin? At the time, no. These are separate events. Eventually, 
the conclusions from that conference call, further conversations among the authors ultimately led up in the March 17, 2020 paper, The Proximal Origin. However, the purpose of that conference call was not to write a paper. Well, I want to shift to the conclusions of that paper. First, our analysis clearly show that uh, SARS, COVID is not a laboratory construct or purposely manipulated virus. Dr. Anderson, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, are there research techniques that can purposefully manipulate a virus without leaving a trace? There are. What about having a virus be a laboratory construct without leaving a trace? If I understand your correct question correctly, I yes, I believe there are. So you can't make that conclusion with certainty then? We didn't base it on those facts, though, sir. It was other facts and other evidence that we'd gathered during the course of our investigation. Well, the, you, you can, next, you conclude that you do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible. Dr. Anderson, do you stand by that statement? I do, and I think it's important to understand that while we're talking about a purposefully manipulated virus, specifically what we are referring to in the paper here, and as you will see from the record we have handed to the, to the committee, is that we are talking about the idea of building this virus with the intent of creating this virus. For example, a bioweapon would be an example of this. The normal engineering of a virus, where while I certainly uh, believe that that is fully inconsistent with the evidence we have available to us, is not specifically what we're talking about here. In a laboratory construct, we are talking about many of the, the different reverse genetic okay. systems available for SARS-like coronavirus. My, my last question. Dr. Gary, a recent interview you had saying that statement went too far. Did that statement go too far, and is a laboratory-based scenario for the origin of COVID-19 plausible? So I said maybe we went too far, and I think in that particular statement that is really out of context with a, you know, almost a six-hour interview that I gave to a BBC reporter, we were talking again about the scientific method. And I'm simply just referring to the fact that we were early at the time in the analysis, and that, yes, we would change our minds if, if other evidence, other data came forward to support another theory. So, you know, a scientist that is 100% certain of their conclusions is not a very good scientist. So you need to evaluate new data and go back, and that's all I was referring to in that sentence. Discovering the origins of COVID-19 is vital. It's vital to preparing for future pandemics and to save lives. Dr. Anderson, in your prepared testimony, you say that you're being investigated because, quote, published peer-reviewed studies that go against the preferred political narrative, end quote. Now, that goes opposite to what we have seen. The preferred political narrative has always been to attack those that think this may have come from a lab. Your co-author says on the poster right behind me what the real political narrative is, quote, Given the shit show that would happen if anyone serious accused the Chinese of even accidental release. Dr. Anderson, you responded to this message, quote, yep, I totally agree. That's a very reasonable conclusion. Although I hate when politics is injected into science, but it's impossible not to, especially given the circumstance, end quote. 
Sir, do you have a degree in political science or international relations? I do not. Do you have any experience in the Foreign Service or diplomatic corps? I do not. I'm okay, a thank citizen. You. you are the one with the preferred political narrative. You said it right there. This preference was reiterated by Dr. Collins, saying that the lab leak theory would, quote, do great potential harm to science and international harmony, end quote. We heard at our last hearing that the Biden administration was working with social media companies to censor the lab leak theory. I think you have preferred political narratives backwards, sir. When was your first conversation with Dr. Fauci about the origins of COVID-19? I believe that was on the 31st of um, January 2020. And, and yes or no, he's, he suggested you write a paper during that conversation, correct? Dr. Fauci suggested that I consider writing a paper specifically predicated on my initial hypothesis, which was that of a lab-associated virus, correct? Then you had the February 1st conference call that had Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and Dr. Farrar on it, correct? There were several scientists, including those, yes. Was Dr. Tabak also on that call? I believe he was on the call. I'm unsure about that. Did Dr. Fauci reiterate a suggestion to draft a paper on that call? I don't believe that he directly suggested it, but there was support for us looking further into the origin of the pandemic, yes. Well, did the February 1st conference call lead to the drafting of proximal origin? At the time, no. These are separate events. Eventually, the conclusions from that conference call, further conversations among the authors ultimately led up in the March 17, 2020 paper, The Proximal Origin. However, the purpose of that conference call was not to write a paper. Well, I want to shift to the conclusions of that paper. First, our analysis clearly show that uh, SARS, COVID is not a laboratory construct or purposely manipulated virus. Dr. Anderson, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, are there research techniques that can purposefully manipulate a virus without leaving a trace? There are. What about having a virus be a laboratory construct without leaving a trace? If I understand your correct question correctly, I, yes, I believe there are. So you can't make that conclusion with certainty then? We didn't base it on those facts though, sir. It was other facts and other evidence that we'd gathered during the course of our investigation. Well, th you can, next you conclude that you do not believe that any type of laboratory-based scenario is plausible. Dr. Anderson, do you stand by that statement? I do, and I think it's important to understand that while we're talking about a purposefully manipulated virus, specifically what we are referring to in the paper here, and as you will see from the record we have handed to the, to the committee, is that we are talking about the idea of building this virus with the intent of creating this virus. For example, a bioweapon would be an example of this. The normal engineering of a virus, where while I certainly uh, believe that that is fully inconsistent with the evidence we have available to us, is not specifically what we're talking about here. In a laboratory construct, we are talking about 
many of the, the different reverse genetic okay. systems available for SARS like coronavirus. My, my last question. Dr. Gary, a recent interview you had saying that statement went too far. Did that statement go too far and is a laboratory-based scenario for the origin of COVID-19 plausible? So I said maybe we went too far and I think in that particular statement that is really out of context with a you know almost a six-hour interview that I gave to a BBC reporter, we were talking again about the scientific method. And I'm simply just referring to the fact that we were early at the time in the analysis and that, yes, we would change our minds if, if other evidence, other data came forward to support another theory. So, you know, a scientist that is 100% certain of their conclusions is not a very good scientist. That you need to evaluate new data and go back. And that's all I was referring to in that sentence. Discovering the origins of COVID-19 is vital. It's vital to preparing for future pandemics and to save lives. Dr. Anderson, in your prepared testimony, you say that you're being investigated because, quote, published peer-reviewed studies that go against the preferred political narrative, end quote. Now, that goes opposite to what we have seen. The preferred political narrative has always been to attack those that think this may have come from a lab. Your co-author says on the poster right behind me what the real political narrative is. Quote, given the shit show that would happen if anyone serious accused the Chinese of even accidental release. Dr. Anderson, you responded to this message, quote, yep, I totally agree, that's a very reasonable conclusion. Although I hate when politics is injected into science, but it's impossible not to, especially given the circumstance, end quote. Sir, do you have a degree in political science or international relations? I do not. Do you have any experience in the Foreign Service or Diplomatic Corps? I do not. I'm okay, a thank citizen. you citizen. You are the one with the preferred political narrative. You said it right there. This preference was reiterated by Dr. Collins saying that the lab leak theory would, quote, do great potential harm to science and international harmony, end quote. We heard at our last hearing that the Biden administration was working with social media companies to censor the lab leak theory. I think you have preferred political narratives backwards, sir. When was your first conversation with Dr. Fauci about the origins of COVID-19? I believe that was on the 31st of um, January 2020. And, and yes or no, he's, he suggested you write a paper during that conversation, correct? Dr. Fauci suggested that I consider writing a paper specifically predicated on my initial hypothesis, which was that of a lab-associated virus, correct? Then you had the February 1st conference call that had Dr. Fauci, Dr. Collins, and Dr. Farrar on it, correct? There were several scientists, including those, yes. Was Dr. Tabak also on that call? I believe he was on the call. I'm unsure about that. Did Dr. Fauci reiterate a suggestion to draft a paper on that call? I don't believe that he directly suggested it, but there was support for us looking further into the origin of the pandemic, yes. Well, did the February 1st conference call lead to the drafting of proximal origin? At the time, no. These are separate events. Eventually, the conclusions from that conference call, further conversations among the authors, ultimately led up in the March 17, 
2020 paper, The Proximal Origin. However, the purpose of that conference call was not to write a paper. Well, I want to shift to the conclusions of that paper. First, our analysis clearly show that uh, SARS-CoV-2 is not a laboratory construct or purposely manipulated virus. Dr. Anderson, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, do you stand by that statement? I do. Dr. Gary, are there research techniques that can purposefully manipulate a virus without leaving a trace? There are. What about having a virus be a laboratory construct without leaving a trace? If I understand your correct question correctly, I yes, I believe there are. So so let me tell you what those are, because I told you it in 2020 when I saw what they put out there accidentally because everyone was so excited. Graphene. I told you that there were graphene seams to have the adenine tails on what they stated. You could clearly see it because it was abnormal. But, you know, I just Google shit or Roger Stone likes to say I'm lucky. Other people say I just make stuff up, you know, it, or I just search shit. But let me show you a video from France that was taped after a rainstorm. Look what came down almost like they're aerosolizing and or putting it out there. Oh, man, this would actually then have to go back to that X-Files. I can't do that. But I've talked about graphene oxide and graphene for a very long time. Please enjoy this very short clip. Voilà. Après la pluie, on a pris une pluie tempête. J'ai dû rentrer parce qu'on pouvait plus bosser. Et là, en fait, regardez ce qu'il y a. C'est pas des larves de moustiques. Ça se regroupe. Ça fait que de se regrouper partout. Je crois que c'était des larves de moustiques, mais non. Oh, but don't take my word for it or that guys that saw graphene pooling from the rain. It's just, it's a conspiracy. He just made that up. That's why it was attracting itself and coming together. But let's, before we shift gears and start at the beginning with these impeachment trials, I thought it's important to give you more news. And here's some more news. It is interesting, isn't it? Hmm. Let's take a listen. Uh, to have this chance to meet. Uh, and we've always had great conversations and uh, we'll have a, a lot of important topics uh, to discuss today. I was very disappointed I couldn't come uh, during these last four years. Uh, and so it's very exciting to be back. All right, sorry, I was muted. This is something that I want the body language ghost to kind of take a look at and maybe elaborate the body language. I could tell you what I see. I see Bill Gates, who gives zero fucks, walks through villages, killing people and smiling. Yet here he is sitting on his chair and holding on to it like, I need to get out. Oh, I'm really stressed. Tell you what happened here. He met with, the prime, with uh, President Xi Jinping. And this is what you see on camera. I'll tell you what happened behind camera. Hey, Xi Jinping, we got a problem. I think there's actually a plan out there by a lot of touched people that are fucking shit up and we can't see it because 
I think people in our government that are pretending to be our friends are really not our friends. And now it's all flipping on us. Ukraine's coming apart. Iran is calling us to the carpet saying the West is just fucking about and appeasing the military. And you know, when the Khamenei are starting to make sense, you're just like, damn, that's how far gone we are. So he met with Xi Jinping and said, I need your help, you know, to find out. So I'll give you access to the emails since I have the cloud contracts now, thanks to Biden. Maybe you can weed out, you know, who these people are messing shit up. I think Trump is really in power. And this is a problem because how are we going to dominate the world and call the population and have a more organized and better society for all, but specifically for us and our legacy, if these people actually gain control? This is a big problem. That's what happened behind the scenes. Here's what happened in front of the scenes. Now that was Bill Gates, less than a month ago, visiting his good pal Xi Jinping. Now Xi apparently returned the favor by using the company that he founded, of course, Gates founded Microsoft, to launch a cyber attack against the U.S. government. Now despite the Fed spending, what, $15.6 billion on cybersecurity, more than the GDP of nearly, what, 75 countries? Chinese cyber spies were able to exploit a fundamental gap in Microsoft's cloud, enabling them to hack email accounts at the State Department and other agencies. But this really should come as no surprise because Microsoft has had a really symbiotic relationship for China for years now. As Forbes noted in a recent piece, in 2014, Microsoft became the first foreign company to offer public cloud computing services in the Chinese market. And in March of this year, uh, they would begin offering um, uh, OpenAI as part of its uh, cloud services. And get this, Microsoft gave the Chinese government access to the source code for its Windows operating system. That happened back in March of 2003. Joining me now. Well, it's not just Bill Gates. Remember Doug Burgum that wants to run. It's actually his little bit of software as a partner that assisted. So see, when they panic, they panic, and we need to start at the beginning. And I will show you just how far back in the beginning. See, you have to let them pull their own pants down. A lot of people, oh, Christopher Ray is so bad. Christopher Ray, nee, nee, nee. Well, if you didn't hear it yesterday, because not a lot of people sat and watched the whole thing. I was listening it, listening to it while I was going to appointments, while I was doing my little investigative work. Wait till you see. I have like these really good clandestine tools. <laughs> What if I told you that I walked into a bank and I asked to open up a bank account and they told me that I couldn't because I was the wrong ethnicity? That's a federal violation. Uh, currently, right now, with that evidence, I'm mulling around how I'm going to use that, um, you know, to say, well, I don't know federal law and they're posting these, you know, memberships to federal authorities in their bank. But because I'm the wrong nationality or ethnicity, I was denied an account. And I got him on camera telling me that. My alt persona is called Ludmila. I'm just saying. Now I'm trying to think. Do I go to AG Yost? No, I'm not going to send the complaint. Maybe I can ask to have a meeting with him, with my attorneys to sit down and talk about it because it's in our state. 
or I can file a federal lawsuit because guess what? It's not just me they denied. They denied other people too. So, ha, huh. this is America and I was denied. Uh, I think there's laws saying that you can't. I think that's part of <laughs> basic foundation. Do not discriminate against color, race or creed or ethnicity, right? I got that shit. I got that shit down packed, you know, down <laughs> and wait till you see, because that same bank is funding container ships, container ships that are leaving our Great Lakes and going to Europe. I wonder what's on the containers. Anybody? <laughs> the next one leaves in the fall. I found that out for someone else. See, that's what I've been up to. I've been up to a lot. Well, see, what if I told you that I have traced the missing money that the DOD had to that one bank? What if I told you that? Dun, 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 find it here. Now, after saying that, let's take a look at some <laughs> other interesting fun facts. So we had this hack happen, right? And now we have Tony in China, China, China. Oh, wow. Something's really going on with my system. It's muting me. Here we go. Here we go again. When we need to destabilize nations, we, 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 we pick nations that are easily destabilized. In the 90s, in the 90s, we destabilized the Balkans. We destroyed Yugoslavia. We created Serbia, Croatia, Bosnia. They all started fighting, right? And then after that started to happen, you know, because the USSR was the excuse and the USSR dismantlement was done through capturing the Ukraine. That was all part of the plan. <laughs> Damn, I'm like so eager to tell you guys the history on this, but I can't yet. I really can't yet. I have to be patient. I have to put my receipts first before I walk you through this because it is so incredible. And you'd be like, oh my God, it was right in our face. And it's like, damn. Okay. So now we destabilized in the 90s, the Balkans. We created a war in the 90s where they started rounding up the leftover Muslims, Muslims of the Balkan states. Um, that are tourist Muslims, really. They're not like Sharia people. They kind of like, oh yeah, we're Muslim, but you know, they only do Ramadan. So they're tourist Muslims. Anyway, so they started collecting them and putting them in concentration camps. Yeah, in the 90s, they were putting people in concentration camps, raping them and killing them. But I don't know if any of you knew about that. So they did that. And then once that was done, this ambassador that I'm going to make famous, uh, <laughs> who was part of, he was the ambassador to Ukraine at, 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 at one point in time, right? Big State Department guy, big State Department guy. He actually helped me a lot with the color revolution. He actually ushered it. Um, and all the people like Yovanovitch and that all worked with him. So this is going to be so much fun to put out these receipts. Like I'm actually giddy. But anyway, having said that, then we started another destabilization. You need to destabilize the Balkans, right? Um, to create a diversion rather than show where you're going. So they destabilized Albania. You know, the communist Albanians where you had the Muslims and the Christians fighting again and the commies were actually the Christians, but the Christians were being overpowered by the commies. It was just a hot mess, right? Hence why I'm so pissed at those Albanians owners of that restaurant called Aqua de Luca or something like that. They have like three of them. I'm going to, I can't wait to put my billboard. Anyway, I digress. So 
we destabilized the Balkans. And then, you know, now we're starting back up with Serbia, which is really weird considering the timing because it was the Serbians that were training the people to infiltrate J6. The Serbian guy was just giving advice on how to penetrate the capital and how to do things. Got that on video, by the way. And, um, and then today, you know, the DOJ is like, oh, we need Rhodes. We're appealing the decision of Rhodes. Stuart Rhodes only got 18 years. He needs for life to be in jail for everything. And it's like, wait a minute, why? Because he's not giving up. You know, loyalty to, to, to alleged legends. Bitch, have you met me? That's the way it is. When you don't give up information they want, because you probably don't have it, or you do, they will bury you. You know, um, I'll put it this way, and for those that understand, understand. In, in, in this other state that I lived in, North Dakota, there were four Air Force people that were arrested for raping a six-month-old baby. I helped with that operation to put it out there. And they all got two years, four years, raping an infant, okay, keep in mind. Obviously, we don't know what the Air Force did because they're also corrupt anyway up there. But anybody that was a pedo in that state got maybe five years. But then there was this one specific pedo, very quiet pedo, and that was a ticking time bomb for someone that, you know, flipped on them, that got busted for being just that, a pedo. And guess what? He got 45 years. That was unprecedented. Why? Because they were asking for information the person didn't have. You see how that works? I'm pretty happy that 45 years came. But you see how that works? You have to give us information. Don't have it. Have to. There's got to be some OPSEC violation. Doesn't have it. Because that's how fucking good some people are. Now, paying attention. Understand where the Stuart Rhodes thing is going. Now look at the people that are yip-yapping. You know, posing for pictures, turning up at UFC places. Just to be like, oh, look, I'm shooting the shit. The fuck you are. You were just in the picture. Shut up. I have eyes there too. And no one's going to insult you in public because they're better than that. Anybody that understood that, fantastic. So let's see the new stabilization wave. Here we go. Let's bring up Kosovo once again. I mean, that's where everything starts. You see, those that have served and know about what happened in Kosovo know exactly what I'm talking about. Matej. Nuko votim Nuko votim Cetsiu lutem Ozbor nuk kuvendin e republikas E që ka qenë kriminal E ne nuk e kemi kundrështuar edhe denuncuar Please tell me I'm not the only one that wants to see this shit happen in our Congress, right? And tell me that I'm not the only one, right? Tell me that I'm not the only fucking one that wants to see this shit happen in Congress. I want to see people throw hands. I want to see people throw hands completely. Throw hands, because then I know you're honest. If you're sitting there smiling and pooping your pants, Nadler, I want to make you poop your pants. I want to see... I want to see people throw hands. You pretend she's done it Let's see what else happens.
Oh, and did you see the chick that came in? I'm going to go in because no one's going to touch me. It's like, fuck that. Out you go. The sound was cut. They cut the sound. It's not me. I'm just pointing that out. Oh, look at that brawl. Now they're all peaceful and stuff. Oh, look at the chick. Like, I came over here. Oh, my God. Why'd you get in the middle? Mind your business. Let them duke it out. Man, you know, that's why I never would. <laughs> if I ever ran for Congress or Senate, I'd be the one that would take my shoe off and just fling it. You know, especially when they're talking nonsense. They'd be like, that's assault. I give zero fucks. Especially when they're impeaching someone and they're lying and they know they're lying. But we'll showcase that right after this quick break. I'm trying to think. You know what I always liked? Nirvana. Pretty woke songs. Woke in the same, in, in the sense of not woke, woke, but actually awake. I think we need a little bit of teen spirit in us today. Let's take a quick coffee break as you ponder on the fact that you are not the underdog. See you in just a few minutes. Stream too. How do you think? Who is behind? Who is behind of explosion of Nord Stream two? Who is guilty? How do you think? I, I frankly have thought you were. Really? You think that we? No, no. But I didn't blame you. I I would not say that as a criticism. the show will. Political appointed ambassadors. Is it not the president's uh, prerogative to appoint whoever he wants in any country? First of all, I am not against political ambassadors, I just, just to wanted be clear. To, I just wanted to clear that up. Uh, now, can I yield to Ms. Stefanik? Do I need your permission? Uh, you may yield. Thank Ms. you. Stefanik. Ambassador, before I was interrupted, I wanted to thank you for your 30 years of public service from Mogadishu to Ottawa to Moscow to London to Kyiv. Um, I also wanted to thank you for hosting the numerous bipartisan delegations. I led one of those delegations in Ukraine. My questions today will focus on three key themes. The first is the role of the president when it comes to appointing our ambassadors. The second is long-standing corruption in Ukraine. And the third is aid to Ukraine. Earlier this week, as you know, we heard from George Kent. And I know that Mr. Kent is a colleague, a friend, and someone who you deeply respect. In his testimony, he stated, all ambassadors serve the pleasure of the president. You would agree with that statement, correct? Yes. And in fact, he elaborated and went on to emphasize that this is without question. Everybody understands that. You would agree with that? I would agree with that. And in your own deposition under oath, you stated, quote, although I understand, everyone understands that I serve at the pleasure of the president. Is that correct? Yes. 
And just so there's no public confusion, you are still an employee of the State Department, correct? Yes. And in the deposition, you say that you personally asked whether it would be possible to be a fellow at Georgetown University, and that was arranged for me, and I'm very grateful. That's where you're posted today, correct? Yes. Georgetown students are lucky to have you. We are lucky to have you in Foreign Service, and I again want to thank you for your tremendous public service. Shifting gears to corruption in Ukraine, in your powerful deposition, you described, quote, we have long understood that strong anti-corruption efforts must form an essential part of our policy in Ukraine, and now there is a window of opportunity to do that. And so why is this important, and why is this important to us? Put simply, anti-corruption efforts serve Ukraine's interests, but they also serve our as well. Is that still your testimony? Yes. And particularly at the critical time in 2014, after the Ukrainian elections, you testified that the Ukrainian people had made clear in that very election that they were done with corruption. Correct? Yes. Want to hear something funny? Did you see the way she said yes? That's because the Ukrainians didn't make clear. We rigged their election. She was actually part of it. And so were a bunch of other people in her email thread when they were discussing doing business with Crimea. I thought that was a sanction that Obama did. But I guess because Joe Biden and Obama wanted to do business in Crimea, it was okay. What, Tori? Wait, receipts are coming. And you also testified that the Ukrainians thought it would be a good idea to set up this architecture of a special investigative office that would be all about the crimes of corruption, correct? Yes. And I know this was before you arrived in Ukraine, but you are aware that the first case that the US, UK, and Ukraine investigators worked on was in fact against the owner of Burisma. Yes. And that was during the Obama administration. Yes. And in your testimony, you and you said was in fact against the owner of Burisma corruption, correct? Yes. And I know this was before you arrived in Ukraine, but you are aware that the first case that the US, UK, and Ukraine investigators worked on was in fact against the owner of Burisma. Yes. She said yes. She said yes. I think I sound like um, one of those um, things from the labyrinth. She said yes. She said yes. She said yes. She said she knew that the US and UK and Ukraine were against Burisma. Please remember that when you read my article. I mean, I will point it out, but it seems like Elise had the receipts that I have. She said yes. She said yes. And that was during the Obama administration. Yes. And in your testimony, you, and you said today, the investigation was never formally closed because, quote, it's frankly useful to keep that company hanging on a hook, right? That's the your quote. Yeah, the Ukrainian investigation was never closed. Partnered with the U.S. and the U.K. As I understand it, yeah. Actually, that's a lie because they ran away and dropped it in Latvia. You should go and revisit my articles from years ago before this hearing where I talked about it. But, you know. What do I know? Yeah, although because we didn't see the Ukrainians moving forward on that, we no longer partner with them uh, on that case or in that way. But let's take a first step, uh, a step back. The Wait, they abandoned it? You mean Joe Biden and Obama put in the president they wanted in 2014 and they chased away the prosecutors? Wait, there's receipts. Because you know what I want to know? 
all of us have been asking, what did Biden do? Energy, 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 business, whatever, selling clout. And what did Burisma do? They were an energy company. And where did they have a lot of business? Donis. Oh, you mean where Russia just fucking annihilated them? Right. But then you have to think, all right, if they're in the business of energy, right, then why were they shipping crates? I mean, it's not like you put energy balls in a crate and ship them to the U.S. And then, 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 what is going on here? Uh, the Atlantic Council is a think tank based in Washington, D.C. And their mission is to pr promote constructive U.S. leadership engagement in international affairs. That's what their job is. They think, they have dialogue, and they present, you know, solutions to big problems. That's what a think tank does. They research, you know, on pressing global issues like security and international relations, economics, energy, tech, right? Policy advocacy, lobbyists, basically. And then you have to think to yourself, right? That sounds great, but, you know, why would the Atlantic Council work with Burisma? No, Tori, that's not true. Why would Yovanovitch work with Burisma? No, Tori, that's not true. Why would all of these clowns work with Burisma? That's not true. Wait till you see the receipts. First time you personally became aware of Burisma was actually when you were being prepared by the Obama State Department for your Senate confirmation hearings. And this was in the form of practice questions and answers. This was your deposition. And you testified that in this particular practice Q&A with the Obama State Department, it wasn't just generally about Burisma and corruption, it was specifically about Hunter Biden and Burisma. Is that correct? Yes, it is. And the exact quote from your testimony, Ambassador, is, quote, the way the question was phrased in this model Q&A was, what can you tell us about Hunter Biden's, you know, being named to the board of Burisma? So for the millions of Americans watching, President Obama's own State Department was so concerned about potential conflicts of interest from Hunter Biden's role at Burisma that they raised it themselves while prepping this wonderful ambassador nominee before her confirmation. And yet our Democratic colleagues and the chairman of this committee cry foul when we dare ask that same question that the Obama State Department was so concerned about. But we will continue asking it. And lastly, in my 20 seconds left, I I just want to get it on record in terms of defensive lethal aid which you were an advocate for that was not provided by president obama it was provided by president trump that's correct i yield back five seconds so let me tell you about these briefings by the state department to get her ready the only reason she was briefed on hunter biden is to know what answer to provide so obama knew about hunter biden's business are you paying attention Joe knew about Hunter Biden's business. Are you paying attention? Obama had his own Crimean sanctions, yet knew about Burisma and the business. And I told you that when Nikolai Slochevsky, the Burisma owner, was arrested in the UK for corruption, who bailed him out? John Kerry and Joe Biden. And what was the deal? Let Hunter Biden get on the board. Hmm, that's very interesting. That's sexy. So he prepped his foreign service officers before their confirmation with mock Q&As to know exactly how to respond.
I think I want to read one of Yovanovitch's statements here out loud, which I will include. Let me see. Let me find the right one. Let's see. Let me see how I can... Burisma is obviously using this to clear up its reputation. Zlochevsky invests a lot into legitimizing his business. And bloop bloop and Ambassador bloop bloop are part of the deal to clear dirty money. Here is Burisma paying an ad for informing everyone about working with bloop bloop. <laughs> I mean, we could just say State Department. <laughs> bloop bloop means State Department. Bloop bloop. But let's go on, you know, let's see what else they say. Let's see what else they say. Let's, let's, let's see the liars. Because we got to start at the beginning. This is only a minute clip. But this is the best fucking minute you're going to see. After my receipts, it'll make sense. Expires, I want to circle back to... Um the company of Burisma, and you, you testified at your deposition that there was an instance where USAID had engaged with Burisma and possibly sponsoring a, um, a program, and you uh, took issue with that and recommended USAID to pull back from that. Could you tell us about that? So I became aware in the summer, I believe, of 2016 that as a part of what I th recall was a clean energy uh, awareness campaign, uh, the part of the USAID mission that worked on uh, economics and governance, uh, including energy, had sponsored a some sort of contest for young Ukrainians to come up with a theme, and there was a prize. I believe it may have been a camera. And they had co-sponsored, and uh, with public-private partnership being a buzzword, uh, a, a, having a co-sponsorship with Burisma. Uh, given the past history of our uh, in interest in recovering stolen assets from Zlochevsky, it was my view that it was inappropriate for the embassy to be co-sponsoring uh, a contest with Burisma. I raised that with the mission director at the embassy, she agreed, and the USAID mission uh, kept the contest, but dropped the public-private partnership uh, sponsorship. Did he just lie? Let me see. Where's that email? Hold on. Let's see. Let's find that. Hope all is well. Here's a short summary of the USAID Burisma Project in Donetsk region. U.S. Ambassador Bleep Bleep met bleep bleep and bleep bleep in October. During the meeting, the bleep bleep expressed his concern about shortage of gas supplies in the region due to the fact that the bigger part of the gas network was destroyed following military operations. Following that, USAID contacted Burisma in Kiev, and I had a few communications, including a meeting with bleep bleep, USAID director in Ukraine, bleep bleep, and director of USAID Economic Growth Office. During this meeting, Burisma expressed its willingness to contribute and assist restoring gas pipelines. <laughs> so we paid Burisma. Burisma also suggested to launch a pilot project, restoring a certain village, including roads, buildings, communal services. That was a Hunter Biden email, by the way. I just wanted to point it out. And he said they didn't want to work with him, right? in 2016. That email I read was from 2015. Now let's go to 2017. Well, hope all is well. Uh, here's Hunter's blah, 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 blah. 
This is a draft agenda of briefing on U.S. policy by Ambassador blah, 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 and a board of director meeting, blah, 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 and providing us USAID information. Let's go to another one. Hmm. Let me scroll here. Oh, you know, I'm very pleased by this opportunity to be able to develop more extensive and robust agenda in Ukraine and the U.S., says the Atlantic Council to Ukraine and director of Burisma support and cooperation that will enable us to continue to expand our UK and Ukraine programming and provide new platforms for discussing these issues. Damn. See, for years I've been saying, if you want to see the dirty CIA, you have to go to the State Department. That's why I said Pompeo was the secretary. He was like the director of the CIA for a bit. But the real CIA... He had to wear galoshes in the deep state department. They're the ones that know best. They're the ones that know best. Now, I would like to play a video that shows the differences between America and the Soviet Union. It's a film, a very old film. But I want you guys to end today with just this clip. And I want you to ponder on the little things that I gave you starting at the beginning, going back to the initial impeachment hearings and what they said with the receipts and how carefully they danced their words without spelling it out. How all of them have been in bed together for a very long time. How think tanks like the Atlantic Council have way too much influence and in having private lobbyists that are funded by corporate foreign and domestic interests should be excised from our foreign and domestic policies. We should have our own think tank of nerds within the government. We do not need outside pretentious former ambassadors, former generals to be even speaking. You're former. You're not current. You're not in it. And being former at your age means that you were retired or you've retired because of age. And if your opinion is really good, they will maintain you. Now, a lot of people say controversial things, you know, like the guy that says that people are just animals that are hacked. It's fucking true. You may not like what you hear, but it is true. Mammals can be hacked, as long as you understand how biosoftware works. Irritates you to hear it, but it's fact. I mean, how do you think they get all these shooters? <laughs> Seriously. How do you think they get all the Karens that follow orders, or the ones that bend the knee because they're the wrong color? Mm -mm. These are all things that people should be, you know, asking themselves. Now, before we get into that, Jim Jordan asked... Christopher Ray yesterday about their investigation about the cocaine in the White House. Now, I told you guys that Gavin Newsom is going to step in. Oh, and you all know that Kimberly Guilfoyle was Gavin Newsom's ex-wife, right? Okay, I'm just pointing that out. So, if Biden leaves, then Kamala steps up. Nobody wants that. And then if Biden and Kamala leaves, they're like, oh, that makes it the Speaker of the House temporarily because that prompts special elections. It's unprecedented. So you need to have Kamala and Biden step away at the same time. 
that's how you get Gavin Newsom in with special elections from the party. Oh, they're just going to make the rules up. And I also want to draw attention to how I was elaborating to you how, you know, they're attacking Justice Thomas, but no one else. But now you're seeing that Alito, Sotomayor, and others are under investigation. You know, it only takes a minute to send emails and drop some evidence because it is a nothing burger. They started with the one that is silent, the one that is clean of corruption. And it's done purposely. Don't you start with the person that will not be burnt by the fire? You only, it's kind of like having matches. Picture SCOTUS, like little stick matches that are standing up, right? You set fire to Clarence Thomas. So Justice Thomas is set on fire. That fire will hop to every single match. But then you blow out the fire on Justice Thomas. The other ones will continue to burn. You know, raids are effective. Letting people pull their own pants down is effective because that's how you introduce evidence into things. J6 documentary, you guys, is pretty much done. We're in final edits. It's going to be a show to watch. But let's see what um, Christopher Ray that everybody dislikes, that I tell you, trust that he is. Well, I don't like the word trust. Let's just say, I saw him in a predicament that was odd. That stood, he stood his ground, and I know where his moral floor is. He will be shedding light like no other. He already told you that Joe Biden is under investigation. Oh, but Joe Biden did this, and he's not in jail. My example of Clarence Thomas, they just raided a previous president for documents. They just raided Joe Biden. But no, they didn't raid him. They just checked. Because Trump's the bad guy, right? What did I tell you about the proximity? How many times have I said, let them impeach him after he's out of office? What does that give us? Precedent. Raiding a former president. Precedent. Wait till we get to Martha's Vineyard. That'll be fun. That'll be super fun. It's back. Uh, Director, we appreciate, we appreciate those. Uh, the whole country does. In fact, I said this in an interview this morning, a TV interview this morning, as two of those agents who served for years in the FBI, did great work, now work for the Committee on the Republican Staff. And we appreciate the work they did then, the work they're doing now. But they share the same concerns raised by members of the committee. That's why they came to work for us. So I just got a couple other questions. Any of the FBI personnel who did improper, improper queries of the 702 database, have any of those individuals lost their clearance? Um, well, we had, depends on how far back you want to go in time. We've had individuals, if you go back to say like 2018, I think was the last I remember where you had somebody who engaged in intentional conduct and the person, uh, for example, is gone. I think there were security clearances revoked for people back in that time period, but I don't know that we've had somebody who's engaged in, um, uh, you know, intentional or reckless conduct uh, more recently than that. We have, as you may know, Mr. Chairman, and we, this actually didn't come up today, uh, but it's important for people to know, uh, we recently uh, put in place a whole new set of accountability policies specifically focused on 702. Uh, they go through cascading consequences. Yep. 
Um, and so it's, that's an important It's been reported piece. that donors of a congressional uh, member of Congress uh, have, have, were, were illegally searched. Has that individual lost their clearance? Uh, I'm not sure I'm familiar with the specific example, so. Well, it's been, it's been widely reported that uh, the donor base for a member of Congress uh, has been, been searched, and I just wondered if, if that has, if the person responsible for that has had any consequences like a loss of security clearance. I, I don't know the answer. Okay. Is the FBI assisting the Secret Service in the uh, investigation as to how cocaine wound up at the White House? Uh, Yes, I want to be a little bit careful about what I can say here because the Secret Service is leading the investigation. But uh, as is standard in an investigation uh, where white powder is found, uh, the FBI's lab uh, personnel did an evaluation to determine whether or not there was a you know sort of biological. Is that the only assistance? We have that's the only assistance we've done so far. We have offered the full range of our assistance uh, to the Secret Service. Uh, if they want to use us for that purpose, uh, but beyond that, that purpose, I would refer sir, you to the Secret Service. Is that that offer has been denied? Is that what you're saying? I, I no, guess. I didn't. I didn't say that. I just okay. we've offered it to the Secret Service, okay. but beyond that, I would refer to them. In October of 2020, when Facebook asked the FBI, "Is the Biden laptop story Russian disinformation?" The FBI's answer was no comment. Who gave that answer? And before you answer, sir, if I might just interject the fact that we agreed that I would have two questions, and you would have two questions. I think I said a couple questions. Yeah, yeah. and uh, you've asked a couple. In fact, I don't think, I know I said a couple questions, but I give you five minutes, but, so. But I'll, I'll. Do you want another question? No, I, okay. I want us to uh, conclude this hearing, and, and I, I respect your We will be done in two minutes and chair. 10 seconds. Thank you. We, and we appreciate that, and we obviously appreciate the, the uh, director being here. In October 2020, when Facebook asked FBI, is the Biden laptop story Russian disinformation, the FBI's response was no comment. Do you know who gave that response? I do not. The court knew, and the court said it was Laura Demlo. Do you know who Laura Demlo is? Uh, I do know who Laura Demlo is. And what does she do? Uh, Laura Demlo uh, is an agent in our uh, counterintelligence division, and she currently works with the Foreign Influence Task Force. Doesn't she head the Foreign Influence Task Force? Uh, I think she leads it, yeah. She leads the Foreign Influence Task Force. Did you tell her to give that comment? Did I what now? Did you instruct anyone when Facebook asked, did you instruct them to give the no comment? Uh, I didn't, don't remember giving any instruction along those lines, although I should say I'm not sure whether Laura Demlo was in that role at the time frame that you described, but I... I Again, I the right court now, in Louisiana said she was and said when Facebook asked her specifically, she said no comment. And this is the Foreign Influence Task Force leader, Foreign Influence Task Force that you created as, as director of the FBI, correct? Oh, that's correct. You created the Foreign Influence I Task Force. I did create the Foreign Influence Task Force. Yeah, you put that together and she, she heads it up. Okay. Um, when did you become, how did you become aware of the Catholic memo? The one in Richmond that we talked about a couple times today. Um, as I recall, uh, I, in one of my regular morning meetings, uh, I learned that there was this product, and that was the same day that I ordered that it uh, be removed. Was that before, or was that before, or after it was already in the press? That I can't. I, that I can't tell you. My guess is it was probably around the same time, but I don't know. Did you learn about it? Did the people, did the people who who brought it up to you, did they learn about it from the press, or was it some internal communication? I, I can't speak to how they learned about it. Um, I just know that I was told about it by them, and we had a conversation about immediately taking steps 
that we then did. We appreciate, uh, and we appreciate that. Yeah. Okay, Director, we, we appreciate your time today. I know it's been a long day. Um, the, um, we already had the unanimous consent from Mr. Gates, so the committee is adjourned. The committee is adjourned. People need to start paying attention to what is said and what is not said. It's pretty interesting when you start at the beginning. And now I'm not starting at the very beginning yet, because that would mean that we have to travel back in time to like the 80s. Not yet. But I will take you back to the first impeachment. And I will show you. How did Elise know to ask those questions? And why was she so... It's like her mouth was dripping with sugar syrup when she was talking to Marie Yovanovitch, knowing the communications that she had with Burisma, with George Kent, with ambassadors, with Ukrainian authorities, and how they bitched that Rudy Giuliani was in Ukraine, and how she played gatekeeper for the DOJ. Of course, she serves at the pleasure of the president. It was the shadow president she was serving. It's important for us to know that. On that note, I will see you guys tomorrow, same time, 9 a.m. Eastern, with your dose of the news. Now, I think what we should do is listen to some badass music to kick it up a notch.